All right, let's make a little noise. Welcome Jesus today, amen. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, Lord, thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that's with us today. Thank you, you have not left us comfortless. You've not, you've not left us as orphans, but you are with us. Thank you for your presence today and your power. Thank you for your love in the midst of your people. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon this day. Lord, we just honor you today. You're the great king. You're the creator, the creator God. You're our savior, and you are our Lord. Thank you for your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. All the people said, amen. amen. So I think I was thinking about a title for this. I think we'll call it, Hang In There, Baby. <laughs> Hang In There, Baby. All right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Cast not away, therefore... Your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Everybody say receive. receive. He says, cast not away your confidence. For it has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. As uh, some of you may know, uh, my wife and I had all our children at home. And uh, some back in our hippie days before we knew the Lord, and then the last one was we were Christians. And, uh, but we had them all at home. First one was in a cabin in Oregon. Susan had 19 hours of labor in a very rustic cabin, and I was the delivery boy. Wow. And uh, we used the Swiss army knife, uh, sterilized over a kerosene lamp to, uh, to cut the umbilical cord. <laughs> and we, we, have a healthy, <laughs> we have a healthy daughter who's now, what, 40? 40. She's 40. Did you YouTube 43. What's that? Did you YouTube that? I didn't, I didn't YouTube it. I don't, you know, we were just crazy. That's all. We were just crazy. So then the second one, our son was born in a tent in a cow pasture in southern Minnesota. We were remodeling our, our oh, cabin. <laughs> oh, please, remodeling. That sounds a little too much. We had no electricity. We had no plumbing. <laughs> Okay, we were modeling, we were modeling our cabin. <laughs> Thank you for your correction. And, uh, and uh, so we had moved out and we were in a tent in a cow pasture and I had worked all day and came home and I was just totally wiped out and she went into labor so I went to sleep. <laughs> and... The sun comes up, and Susan's ready to have a baby, and she says, he's coming, you know, it's coming. Or, and uh, so we had that child. And he said, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait, <laughs> wait a minute while I wake up. Hold it in. <laughs> and he came, and he's healthy, and he's now 41 years old. And by the time our third child came, 
Um, we were Christians, and we were living in our remodeled house, <laughs> our modeled house. It was actually, you know, it was, it was fairly decent by that time. Uh, and we, we did have, you know, so we had our third child in a home, actually, a house, sort of, sort of a house. Uh, they used to call it a tar paper shack in the woods, but then we got stucco to put over the tar paper, so. <clears throat> but uh, I remember that when we had our third child, Ruth, uh, <clears throat> Susan was in, in labor, and, and uh, she didn't think Ruth was ever going to come. And so she was weary and well-doing, you know. And uh, there was a lady, a Christian lady that was there with us part of the time. She wasn't there, I guess, at the time that Ruth was born. But she was with us and ministering to us for a time during the labor. And as Susan was, you know, going through labor, travail, uh, this, this woman of God gave her a scripture. And we just read it. Cast not away your confidence for it has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise of God. In other words, the baby's coming. It's, it's, it really is. It really is. You know. And of course, Susan, she's on her third child, so she should have known that, right? She should have known that, you know, uh, it's going to all work out. You know, the child's going to come. The baby's going to come. You know, she should know that, right? But easy for me to say, right? <laughs> Ladies. Because when you're in the midst of that delivery, and likewise, when you're in the midst of a trial, and when you're in the midst of something hard in your life, you think it's never going to end. Amen? And that's the time that you need to know that you cannot cast away your confidence. Amen? You need to hold on to the Lord because it's all going to work out. Hang in there, baby. Hang in there, baby. Now, I know none of you are going through trials and you never have discouragement. But just in case you ever did, I think the Lord wanted me to give you this message. Just in case at some point in your life you have a trial and you have some discouragement and you have some time when you're wavering a little bit in your faith, this might help you then. You can remember, oh yeah, hang in there, baby. Turn to your neighbor and say, hang in there, baby. Praise God. Now, just to give you a little background here in the book of Hebrew, the book of Hebrew is a very significant book in the Bible, very, very important, because the book of Hebrews gives us the understanding of the distinction and, and the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. More than any other book of the Bible, it gives us that understanding of that relationship. You know, because we have this, this book, the Bible, the Holy Bible, and it has actually 66 books in them, in it, and uh, most of them are from the Old Testament. God has chosen to give us this Old Testament frame of reference, even though we are New Testament people. Amen? We are New Testament Christians. So we need uh, something like Hebrews to give us an understanding of the difference between the old and the new and how it all relates and how we fit into God's picture as New Testament Christians. And the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians are Jewish believers. You know, the word Hebrew, uh, Jew, uh, Israel, they're somewhat synonymous. Each has a little different beginning, but they kind of 
represent God's people, old, old covenant people. So the Hebrews were God's old covenant people who lived under the law, under Moses. And then this group of people that he's writing to uh, were, had become Christians. They had become believers in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. They had understood that through the lineage of you know, Israel and so forth, Jesus had come and he had come to be the Savior of the world. And they had accepted him as our Lord and Savior. They had become Christians. But at this particular time, they were in danger of backsliding and reverting back to Judaism. Because there was pressure on them. You can imagine the cultural, the societal pressure that they lived under, you know, that as Jews to be getting into this new thing called Christianity and to follow Christ. And so there was pressure on them. And so they were in danger of backsliding and or reverting back to the ritualistic religion of Judaism. So he wrote this in order to encourage them that what they were in now was much better than what they had before. So the word better is really a key word in, uh, Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews because Jesus, he talked about how Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Uh, that we're living under a better covenant, right? Established upon better promises. So he's He's talking about this relationship and he shares many things from the, uh, from the law and from the tabernacle and from the priesthood and shows how this all relates to Jesus Christ. All, Jesus Christ is in all these things in a picture. Uh, and, you know, the tabernacle is a picture of the heavenly sanctuary. Jesus is our high priest and so forth. It deals in this area of the relationship. And, of course, they had sacrifices of animals that they used in order to cover their sins. But I mean, no, Jesus is that sacrifice once for all to deliver us from our sins. And so in, in Hebrews chapter 10 here, and, and just going back a little bit, I try not to preach this whole thing, but just kind of review it enough so we get our background here. Um, in Hebrews 10, 11, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. So they had a religion. They had a, something that God had prescribed for them to cover their sins temporarily, but that can never take away sins. Right. All right? But this man, in verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice, everybody say one sacrifice, one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. So see, it all goes back to the sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross is our reason for confidence. It's our reason uh, for, you know, for our ability to approach God and everything that he has. And so he talks about this sacrifice and uh, it says that he sat down on the right hand from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's a powerful statement there. He said by one offering, by that offering on the cross, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen. Now the word sanctified means set apart. You know, and sometimes we think, well, we're trying to be set apart. But, you know, in the work of the cross, he has done it. It's a completed work. He sat down. He has set us apart. Right. 
unto God. And that's why in the, in the New Testament, we are called saints, which means sanctified ones. We've been set apart unto God. God has sanctified us, and he has perfected forever the things pertaining to us. You know, and in Colossians, Paul says, uh, we are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So there's a perfection through the cross of Jesus Christ. And to put it this way, in Christ, in what he did on the cross and through the resurrection, he has done everything that is necessary to complete you and to perfect you. He has done his part to complete you in Christ. And that's why later on in Hebrews, in the 12th chapter, it says that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. So this gospel by which you got saved when you came to Christ is the same gospel that does a work in your life to bring you into the fullness of all that God has for you, to perfect that which is concerning you. And the faith that you have in the gospel for salvation is the same faith that you can use to keep on moving into Christ and everything he has for you in your life. Amen? And to deal with any difficulties and obstacles and problems along the way. How many know that God did not promise us a trouble-free life? But he did promise us victory through the trials. Can I have an amen? amen? And so then here the writer of Hebrews goes on and he talks about how that we should have boldness to enter into the presence of God through the new and living way, through the blood of Jesus and through his flesh, that there's an entrance now has been made for us to actually come into the very presence of God. And so then he gives us uh, some, some exhortations there beginning in verse 22, and each one starts with the phrase, let us. Everybody say, let us. Yeah. You know, there's things that we need to do here. Let us. Country church, let us. All right? Let us, number one, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let's, let us draw near to God. Let us come into his very presence so that he can do that work in our life, so that we can enjoy his presence, so that we can receive his healing, so that we can receive of his life. We have the privilege of coming into the very presence of God. You know, the Old Testament saints, they had a semblance of this. We have the reality of it. So he says, let us draw near to the Lord. And then he said in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Or we could say the confession of our faith. You know, it's very important what we say. The profession of our faith is we need to speak our faith. We need to speak words that are in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, I am a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. By the way, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? By the way, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. The Bible says so. See, that's my profession of faith. By the way, Jesus died for all my sins, and I've been made righteous. So I'm lining up, what, my confession. I'm holding fast my confession. See, he doesn't want us to have a poor old me confession based on what the world says about me. He wants us to confess what the word of God says to us. He says, hold fast. Let us hold fast. Why? Because there's a temptation not to. Amen? There's a temptation to stray in our thinking and our speech. 
And then the third exhortation he has there under let us is let us consider one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, this means you. We're to consider one another. Amen? We're in this together, folks. Amen? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So we need one another, and we need some provoking. Can I have an amen? Amen. So that's kind of the context, and then he encourages them not to backslide into sin. Then he reminds them how zealous they were when they first came to the Lord, even though they were persecuted. And that's when we come down here to this 35th verse where he says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So here, even though they had had all this background, they had received Christ, they had gone through persecution, they had stood fast, the pressure had become so great that they were tempted to cast away their confidence. Now, the word there in the Greek where it says cast away, that's the same word that's used uh, where it talks about blind Bartimaeus, how he cast away his garment to come to Jesus. So it's like he was wrapped up in this garment and he threw it off. And so that's the temptation to throw (laughs) off your confidence. He says, don't do that. Don't cast off your confidence. Now, it's an interesting thing about this word confidence. And I've got, I wrote down some notes here. I want to get this right if I can here. Confidence. This is, this is what it means in the Greek. Freedom in speaking. Unreservedness in speech. Free and fearless confidence. Almost to the point where it becomes conspicuous. Conspicuous, rather. So in other words, it's audacious speech. So he's saying, don't stop your bold speaking. Amen? And and your confidence should be finding expression in the things that you're saying. Okay? Cast not away your bold speaking. Don't become timid in the face of adversity and difficulty and persecution. Continue to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and let it find expression in the things that you say. Amen? In your prayer life, in the church, and in the world. Praise God. I love being a witness. Amen? I mean, I I was so timid about witnessing. You know, uh, just it was the hardest thing for me. I mean, even after I was a preacher, I could stand in the pulpit and, you know, preach away to, you know, all kinds of people. But one-on-one was tough. Amen? But once you get into it, it's great. And God will give you boldness, you know. Amen? So he says, cast not away your confidence. And he says, which has great recompense of reward. Recompense there means a a payment. It's like if you go to work, and at the end of the week, you get recompensed. And actually, the word is even stronger. It's like if you were to go out to war... And you would suffer loss because of that. You would be recompensed. Do you know that God will recompense you for the difficulties that you go through because you're a Christian? For the hard things that you may experience in this life, the Bible says he will recompense you and he will reward you for those things. Mm Mm-hmm. He says, cast not away your confidence, Christian. For it has great recompense of reward. 
Did you know that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Amen? And I believe that God rewards us in this life and in the life to come. Why do you say that? Well, because the Bible says so. The Bible said that godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of that which is in this life and the life to come. And God does bless us in this life. But there's some things that go on that are tough in this life. But I tell you what, one day Jesus is coming back. And Jesus will settle all accounts. Amen? And if there's anything that you've been shortchanged in, you'll get it. Amen? He's coming back. And remember what it says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, my good and, precious, my good and faithful servant. God will reward your faithfulness. He sees what you've done for him. Amen? He sees where you stood up in the, in the face of adversity, in the face of persecution. He sees that. And Scripture said in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor and love in that you do minister and do minister to the saints. Amen. That you love God's people, that you choose to walk in harmony in the church, that you choose to, to press through adversity and continue to do what Christ wants you to do. He sees that and he will reward you openly. Amen. So it has great recompense. Sometimes we read these words and we just kind of gloss over them. But think about what a recompense is. God is going to recompense you for the things you've done for him. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. I like that. Yes. Then he says, you have need of patience. Ah, patience. You know, it talks earlier in Hebrews about how that we are to be followers of them who through faith and patience inherits the promises. Sometimes we think faith is just, if you've got faith, man, everything's instant mashed potatoes. You know, everything's just going to happen like that. You know, like we had that healing service on Friday. We had some instant mashed potatoes. We saw people healed instantly, but not everybody. And we don't always understand, you know, why. All we know is we need to trust God and just walk through it. But we know that from the scriptures that we need Faith and patience. You know, the father of faith, Abraham, uh, was waiting on the promise for 25 years before he had a child. And so it's faith and patience that work together. Amen? And sometimes we've got the faith, but the patience is missing. Oh, Lord, when's it coming? You know, when are my kids going to come to the Lord? When am I going to overcome this sickness? When am I going to get out of this rotten job? Amen? When are things going to turn around for me? You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. I mean, that's the challenge, isn't it? You've got to hang in there, baby. You've got to hang in there, see? You've got to have that faith and patience. Praise God. So he says, you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And then he talks about his his coming, I mean, that's how I read it anyway, in verse 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Jesus is coming back. And, and you know, I, I thank God, you know, for God's blessings in my life on this earth. I thank God, mainly I thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
because I can get up every morning and, and spend time with God and, and experience his presence in a real and tangible way. I thank God for that. It doesn't matter if I have troubles or not. He's always there. Amen. And I thank God for, for the blessings he's given me, you know, wonderful wife and a place to live and plenty, plenty to eat, more than enough, you know. I thank God for all these things. But there's a lot of problems on this earth, too. You know, I don't know if you've read the news lately, but there's some problems in this world. You know, and there's some things going on that are, that are really horrible. There's people that are really uh, treating people horribly, you know, for the sake of themselves, for greed and so on. They're, you know, I mean, we can dwell on these things, and I'm not going to today. But just to, just to make a note, there's problems in this world. Everything's not just right in this world. And the same may go in your family or your job or situation. Everything's not just perfect, but I want you to know Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and the Lord is going to set everything in order. You know, everything, you know, it's going to be, you know, thank God for democracy. I'm not against it, but then there will be a theocracy. Jesus in charge. Amen? And, and, and there will be, it, we will be living in a place wherein dwells righteousness. Amen. And, and all the debts will be paid and there will be no crime. And, you know, I mean, there's good days ahead, folks. You got to remember there's good days ahead. You got to remember there's a heaven to be gained. Amen. And there's a hell to be shunned. And we're here to help people shun, have, shun hell and find heaven. Can I have an amen? But he's talking to these Hebrews and he says, now, he that will come, will come. He that shall come, will come. And will not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. So he said, the just shall live by faith. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, We walk by faith and not by sight. So walking by faith, now we learn, is different than walking by sight. All right? So we walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't say we walk by the salary that we get. It doesn't say we walk by people's opinion of us. It doesn't say we walk by the benefits of our circumstance. It says we walk by faith. You see? That which we see is temporary. That which is unseen is eternal. We walk by something eternal that is unseen. The just shall live by their faith. Folks, you've got to live in faith in God. You've got to walk in this unseen reality to have steadfastness in your walk because sometimes circumstances are up, sometimes circumstances are down. But God wants us to be the same yesterday, today, and forever like him. Amen? He wants us to be steadfast. And the only way that we can do that is to look to the unseen. We have to get our eyes off the circumstances and get our eyes on the Lord. You know, in our healing service on Friday night, you know, people would come and, and they would start talking about what's wrong with them. And, and that's good. You know, I wanted to hear what's going on. But then I would say, all right, that's enough. Now look to Jesus. Look away from those problems and look to Jesus. See, you, you can't just keep your eyes on the circumstance. You've got to look to Jesus. That's faith, having faith. Praise God. And he said, the just shall live by faith. And verse 39, he says, but 
We are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but them that believe uh, to the saving of the soul. We're believers. Amen. We're walking in faith. We're saved people. We're sanctified. All right. Now, let's go into the next chapter here. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So now he tells us, and remember now in, in the Bible, when this letter was written, there was no chapter there. Okay, So we're just flowing into the next thought here. He says, so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified Version says, faith is the title deed of the things hoped for. So Susan and I, we own a piece of property near Mankato, and it's tangible land. You know, we've got a house, and we've got more buildings than we need. But somewhere or another, I, don't, I have to figure out where it is one of these days, there's a title deed. Some bank has it, I suppose, in a vault. And that t- title deed says, Tom and Susan own that land. Amen. And faith says, you have that promise. That's what faith is. Faith is the title deed of the things hoped for. By faith we have heaven. And this verse helped me more than anything to understand faith. Because, you know, I see how Jesus talked about faith and encouraged people in their faith. You know, like the woman with the issue of blood, after she was healed, he said to her, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Your faith did that. Other places he would say, according to your faith, so be it unto you. And I would take that little phrase here in in Hebrews 11.1, the evidence of things not seen, and plug that in instead of faith, and I would say, daughter, your evidence of things not seen has made you well. Faith is an evidence of things not seen. Where is that evidence? It's in your heart. You see it, but not with your natural eyes. Faith is seen. You know, they say seen is believing. Yeah, faith is seen, but it's not seen with your natural eyes. See, faith is really not blind faith. It's based on a reality. It's a truth. It's a reality. It's seen thing. See, you see that when your body expires, you're going to go to heaven. That's faith. Faith is seeing an unseen reality. One place Jesus said, have the faith of God. Have the evidence of things not seen of God. See things the way God sees them. And so uh, as I began to practice that, and, and allow that to develop in my heart, the unseen realities to develop in my heart, then f- my faith began to work in areas that didn't work before. And faith is very critical and very important to really see a release of the miraculous in your life. You know, it's interesting, in, in Acts, we, we read about, uh, in the sixth chapter, about these men, they were, we call them deacons, or at least I do, I think of them as deacons, they were Seven men of honest report who were given to the business of taking care of the widows. Remember that story? And so 
They said, choose us out seven men among you that are full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. So they appointed, appointed these seven men. And then it starts to talk about Stephen. And it said, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith and the Holy Ghost. So the other seven, they had the Holy Ghost, see? But here was a man that had faith and the Holy Ghost. And it said he did many miracles among the people. So not only did he have the power of the Holy Spirit and potentiality in his life, which is probably not a word, but I like it anyway. He had that Holy Ghost power, see? But he also was able to release it because of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He was seeing things that others weren't seeing. His faith was developed in areas that enabled him to walk in the miraculous in his life. And we need faith, folks. How do you get faith, by the way? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So, folks, no word, no faith. Little word, little faith. Much word, much faith. We need the word. The word of faith. The word of the gospel. So we need to be in the word. But we also need to understand the word and what it really means to us. Which gets back to what we talked about in the book of Hebrew. Because we need to know the gospel. We need to know that our sins are forgiven. That we are new creatures. That Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And he lives in me. Jesus Christ lives in me. Amen? So that's the word. See, it's not, I mean, because you could just flip open here somewhere in the Old Testament and start reading about some animal sacrifices. And, and that's the word too. It's the word of God. But if you don't understand the gospel, how the gospel relates to that, it's not going to feed your faith. So faith comes by hearing the gospel, right? And you can find the gospel in the Old Testament. Don't, mis don't misunderstand me. But you have to understand how the Bible works. You have to have an understanding of the picture of the Bible. And you need to feed on the faithfulness of God and the love of God that's been shed abroad to you through Jesus Christ. And what that cross and what that resurrection really means. Faith works. But we need the word. You know, sometimes I'll have a, I'll be going to a meeting, and this just happened recently, but I had a cold. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be the big faith preacher, healing minister, go, go with a cold, you know. <laughs> so that's when I'm really exercising my faith, man. I'm going to this meeting, I'm sick. And so I'm, I'm driving down the road, and I'm listening to the healing scriptures. I'm feeding on the healing scriptures, you know. And I'm listening to some other ministry, you know, of the, of the word. A lot of times I listen to my own preaching because I can believe it pretty well. But every once in a while, you know, so anyway, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm feeding my faith. I'm feeding these scriptures. I'm confessing them. And every time I do, I'm feeling better, you know. The, the cold symptoms are coming down. My, my vigor is coming back, okay. 
But then once in a while, I'll, I'll turn on the radio and listen to some news or something, you know. And all of a sudden, I, <laughs> I mean, I literally, physically declined. I said, I better get that healing CD going again. I better get faith working again. Amen? See? Little word, little faith. Much word, much faith. Amen. You want a prescription for healing or anything else you need in your life? Get in the word of God. Amen? Feed on it. Amen? Let it dominate your thinking. I was preaching on Friday about... uh, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, fills your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I said, yeah, I think, you know, eating nutritious food is good, getting good food, but filling your mouth with the word of God is even better. And it'll bless you. Hallelujah. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were, are seen were, were not made. Uh, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, they came out of nothing. They were spoken into existence by God. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. How many want to please God? Just lift your hand and wave it if you want to please God. So Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. And we want to please God. How do we please God? Well, verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, that's what the, that's what the book of Hebrews is about. You can't please God just by keeping that old law. Peter said, uh, or... Uh, Anywhere, somewhere in the Acts, it says, you're trying to put a yoke on them, which we weren't able to keep. <laughs> in other words, they're talking about the Gentiles. But, um, you know, you're trying to get them to keep the law. We couldn't keep it ourselves. All those Jewish folks, they couldn't keep the law. Amen? They couldn't please God by the keeping of the law. But now God has given us a different way. He sent his gospel that our sins might be forgiven. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of us that Christ may be in us. And that, through, that Christ through us can produce righteousness in our lives. That's the hope of righteousness. It's not that you're going to be good enough. It's that the goodness of God is going to work in your life. That's gospel. So he says it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And... That he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He's a re- our God is a rewarder. God is a good God. He's on your side. Amen. Don't get discouraged. Hang in there, baby. 
He's got your best interest in heart. Amen? And we've got to keep believing in the midst of trials and difficulties and downturns or anything else. We've got to realize that God's still on the throne and it's all going to work out. And David said in Psalm 27, he says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I just felt the Lord wanted me to encourage you folks. Hang in there, baby. Hang in there, baby. Thank you for listening to this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. More teachings, podcasts, and reports are on our website at tomshanklin.org. You can also reach us by mail at Tom Shanklin Ministries, Post Office Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002, USA.